Good morning. Um, as Rob has said, my, my name is Todd Cruzy, and I'm a pastor from the U.S., and I'm currently serving as a minister at Emmanuel Church over in Brentford. Um, my wife Liz and our five-year-old son Finn are just heading out um, that way, um, so they're here with me this morning. Um, we moved to the U.K. back in January, um, so we've been here just a little less than eight months, um, and yet in that time, in that short time, I mean, uh, I, I think we, we, we really can say that we've, we've thoroughly enjoyed living in West London. We were actually coming back from having dinner with some friends last night, and, and Liz just kind of asked Finn um, how he enjoys living in London, and he just enthusiastically, he just went, I love living in London. Um, so, uh, so really, it's, it's a joy to be here in this city, um, in this part of the city, and it's a joy to be here with you all this morning. Uh, over the summer, um, Rob and I and the elders from Emmanuel are, are preaching a, a summer series on prayer. And one of the reasons we're doing that is, is really because prayer is, it's essential. It's essential to the life of believers. It's essential to the life of the church. Um, in theological terms, um, to, to paraphrase the, the Westminster Catechism, and, and, and I, will sell, I, I will say it was, you know, um, I, was, I was flattered by Rob's description of searching through these ancient creeds, but they, they come with an index. So um, it's, you know, it's a bit of just scanning and finding. Um, but to, to paraphrase the Westminster Catechism, when it answers the question of, of, of prayer, it says that, that prayer is an offering of our desires to God um, according to his will in the name of Christ with confession and thanksgiving. So we're, so we're just sort of offering up the desires of our hearts to God and we're doing it according to his will and, and with thanksgiving um, and confession. But in practical terms, what is prayer? Why is prayer important? Well, prayer is simply how we talk to God. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. So as, as we come to this time and we're looking at scripture together, God is speaking to us. But we speak to God. We respond to God and we talk to God through prayer. And yet... As simple as that sounds, prayer is an often over, overlooked and neglected part of the Christian life. Um, so, so I want us to think about, think about any close relationship that you have in your life, um, whether it's with a spouse or a child or a sibling or your parents or a close friend. Now imagine if you never, ever talked to that person. I mean, how, how close would you actually feel to them? If you never talked with them. Indeed, could, could you say that you have a close relationship with them if you hardly ever talked with them? Imagine a, a husband and wife sitting down at the kitchen table and he's reading the newspaper and she's reading a book and they wordlessly just go through this, this whole morning routine of, of drinking coffee or tea, of eating breakfast, of putting dishes in the sink and then kind of going their separate ways and they never said a single word to one another. And we can imagine this. Now we, we might just say, well, maybe, you know, maybe they're not morning people. Maybe they don't want to talk to anyone until after 10 a.m. Um, but what if every meal looked just like this? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner in, in, in silent isolation, even though they're sitting right across from one another, but, but kind of separate and alone and silent. If we saw this, I, I think we'd agree that, that something is a, bit, is a bit off. Something's broken in that relationship. There's proximity. There's physical closeness. These are, these are two people who are sharing a space. 
And, and so there seems to be the outline of a relationship, but there doesn't seem to be any substance to the relationship. Conversation, talking to one another, shows us the substance of a relationship. It shows us what's there. My wife, Liz, she, she knows that I love her, but she won't feel loved by me if, if I just never take the time to talk to her. And, and honestly, the, the, the quality of my love for her is going to t- deteriorate. It's going to diminish if I don't talk with her. In fact, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges that we have in, in kind of just this stage of, of our life and our marriage because we have this, this five-year-old son who, who we love, who is wonderful, and he really likes to interrupt every conversation we try to have. Um, he has this sixth sense for knowing when we are about to talk to, to one another about anything important. And, and that's when he has something to say. That's when he wants our attention. Um, uh, last week, we, we took him to Kew Gardens, to the children's garden um, over there, which is this amazing, wonderful place. And he's just, you know, enraptured by it. And so he's like 15, 20 meters away playing. And so we started to just kind of have a, just a casual conversation about something we, we wanted to talk about. And immediately, we hear this little voice going, Papa, Daddy, look at me! Right? I mean, from, from 20 meters away, he wouldn't let us talk to one another. Um, and so as parents, Liz and I are, are learning that keeping a good relationship with one another is, is something that takes work. It takes planning. It takes intention and effort. Um, spontaneous conversations can still happen. Um, but we can't count on that. We can't really you know, rest the weight of our relationship on that. We have to be intentional and take time to talk with one another. And so our relationship with the Lord works very much in the same way. Um, Throughout the day, there are continual interruptions, things that demand our attention, things that can keep us from praying. Spontaneous prayer can still happen, um, and hopefully it does for us, but we can't count on that. We can't put the weight of our relationship with the Lord on spontaneous conversation with him. We, We have to be intentional about taking time to pray. Um, And so that's why we wanted to kind of over the summer look at these various passages on prayer to to kind of just sift through them and see what does the Bible say about prayer? What can we learn from it? And how how does it shape our relationship with the Lord? So the text we're looking at this morning comes from the book of Ephesians. um, And it's a prayer for the church from the Apostle Paul. It's a prayer that is as big as the universe, And yet, it's just nine verses long. It's less than 200 words. It's a prayer that is rich in substance, but also rooted in relationship. And it's a prayer that reminds us of who God is, what he has done, and and really why that matters for us. So please follow along in um, in your Bibles or on the service sheet um, as I read from Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us 
who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this, your word, your word given to us. And Lord, in the time that we have together this morning, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive this word from you. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to believe by the power of your spirit at work within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, so my son, Finn, who I mentioned earlier, when he was younger, he used, to, he used to love this cartoon on Amazon called Pete the Cat. And um, honestly, you know, it was one of those cartoons that like, Liz and I really liked watching also. Um, that's not always the case, but that's one that we really enjoyed. Uh, and so from time to time, we still will watch it. But when Finn was like two or three years old, he was obsessed with Pete the Cat. He just loved it. And it's based on this um, series of books um, from the U.S. Um, it's about a cat named Pete, as you, as you might have figured out from the title. Um, and then he has this group of friends. Um, there's, there's another cat named Callie. There's this French-Canadian pug named Emma. Um, there's a platypus named Gustavo, um, Grumpy Toad, and then, and then Sally Squirrel. And Sally Squirrel, the whole reason I'm telling you about Pete the Cat is so I can tell you about Sally Squirrel. Um, Sally Squirrel is this just hyperkinetic character. I mean, just so much energy. Um, I mean, she, she's a squirrel, right? She's, she's twitchy and she moves around and everything is fast. She moves fast and she talks fast. And she is an obsessive collector of things, of, of anything, and really of everything. Whatever it is, and really no matter what it is, Sally wants it. And she wants all of it. If she's gathering acorns, she doesn't want just some acorns or a lot of acorns. She wants all the acorns. If she's coloring, she doesn't want to use some of the colors or a lot of colors. She wants to use all the colors. And so pretty much in every circumstance, Sally wants all the things. Her logic pretty much goes like this, right? If, if some is good, then more is better. But all, all is the best. And that's, that's the point that I think Paul is really getting to in this prayer. The culmination of this prayer is that Jesus fills all in all. Um, it was in the hymn that we sang right at the beginning of the service, that God is, is all in all. Um, and it's this prayer, as I said before, it's a, it's a prayer that's as big as the universe, but it's also intimate, and it's rooted in relationship. And so when we look at that, when we think about this whole prayer, builds to Paul saying, Jesus fills all in all. So what does that mean? What is all in all? And so to get at that, you know, we, we, we have to ask ourselves two questions. And, and they're going to sound kind of these weird questions because we're talking about all, which is sort of this big, all-encompassing 
word, and yes, this kind of short, weird word. But we have to ask two questions about that, all in all. So first we have to ask, what is all? And then who is all? And the first question is a question about substance. What is all? What is the substance of all? And the second is a question about relationship. Who is all? Who are the recipients of all? And so that first question, what, what is all? In this context, if Jesus fills all in all, what is all? And so to try to put it simply or succinctly, all is all of who God is, all that God has done, and all that God is actively doing. In verse 17, Paul breaks this down into really the structure of the Trinity. Um, He's identifying um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So in other words, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what is all? Well, first and foremost, all is all of who God is. The Trinity, the triune God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. The one God who made everything. The heavens and the earth. The God who made the entire universe. So, so right now, you know, if you if you if you've been following along with this, you know, we're getting these amazing images back from the James Webb Telescope. Um, you know, we're we're seeing things that we've never seen before. We're seeing these distant, ancient galaxies. Um, I saw a picture of a supernova online the other day. I mean, there's just this cool, cool stuff coming back from the James Webb Telescope. And, and, and it's exciting. And it's mind-expanding for us. Because we're seeing and learning about things that we didn't know about. And yet none of that, none of that is surprising to God. Because he made all of it. The whole universe. God made all of it. That's all of who God is. And... He made you and he made me. Everything that exists, exists because God made it. And so all is the fullness of who God is. Secondly, then, all is made up of all that God has done. Verses 19 and 20 summarize the demonstration of power that is seen in God's work in salvation. Specifically, all that God has done is shown through the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Paul writes, um, uh, what he says is, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the demonstration of God's power over death. In raising Jesus from the dead, the power of death and sin were broken. And the price for sin was paid. The penalty for humanity's rebellion, for our rebellion against God, was satisfied. And so forgiveness, we can say, forgiveness is rooted in God's mercy. But it's secured. It's secured for us through Jesus' death and his resurrection. But there's more. There's more to it than that. The ascension of Jesus. Jesus ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. It testifies to the full extent 
of his power and authority. Right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. The right hand is the position of strength and authority and also blessing. Paul says that Jesus is seated far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion. So in other words, Jesus is above every government, every nation, every superpower that the world has ever known or ever will know. And not only that, but his name, his name now in this age and in the age to come, now and in the future, now and forever, God's name, Jesus' name is above every name, and God has put all things under his feet. So resurrection is the demonstration of God's power over all sin and over all death, and ascension is the demonstration of God's power over all things, everything, all the things, over the entire universe. Verse 22 says that Jesus is the head over all things. So that's, that's that second thing, that all is the fullness of what God has done. And so then thirdly, all consists of all that God is actively doing right now in the world, in our lives. And so um, in part, this, this does point back to Jesus ruling, sitting at the right hand of God, ruling over the entire universe. But it also points to something else. It points to the power of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who applies the work of salvation to us. Paul begins by saying, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Right, that's how he starts this section. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now earlier, um, if, we, if we were to go back and read earlier in Ephesians um, 1, um, in, in Ephesians 1.13, Paul says that in Christ... Um, that's in Christ that we heard and believed the gospel and that our faith was sealed, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Right, so it's the work of the Holy Spirit who seals us to Christ, unites us to Christ. And then later, if we were to read on into Ephesians 2 in verse 8, Paul explains that our faith is not of our doing, but it's the gift of God. And that gift is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who unites us to Christ. He's the mediator of God's presence in our faith and in our worship and in our prayers. So all is the fullness of what God is doing. All the things. Who God is, what God has done, and what God is doing. So when Paul says all in all, that's the what. That's the what um, of, of, of all. That's what all is. It's the scope of the triune God, the scope of his authority, the scope of redemption accomplished and applied to us. So if that's the what, then, then what is, you know, what's the who? Who is all? Right, so well, what is all that is in all? So in who? Who are the recipients of all of this? Well, quite simply and directly and succinctly put by Paul here is, it's the church, those who believe. Everyone who's received the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit. If what is the substance, then who is the relationship? How, how are we bound to Christ? How do we relate to God? Verse 22 declares that Jesus is the head over all things, meaning the whole universe, 
But it also says that he's given to the church. Right? Jesus isn't just the head of all things, but he is also in a relational way, in a family way. He's the head of the church. We're his body. Right? And that's, a, that's an intimate relationship. It means that we're joined to Christ in a way that, that can never be separated. In verses 18 and 19, Paul tells us the reason he's praying for the church. Because he wants us to know who we are. He prays that we will have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. That we may know the hope to which he has called us. The riches of his glorious inheritance. And the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. Paul doesn't just want us to, to know this in our heads. This isn't just about giving us a bunch of information or theological categories. He wants us to know this in our hearts. So um, I, I'll start by asking, this is a show of hands kind of thing. How many people in here you know, watch or are fans of Doctor Who? Nobody. So, right, because it's a risky thing. You can assume that, like, you know, everybody in the UK watches Doctor Who, but that would assume that everybody's a nerd. Um, I am definitely a nerd. Um, but I started watching Doctor Who, like, in 2010, which, you know, by Doctor Who standards is pretty late in the, in the game. Um, so for me, so I'm just, you're just going to have to trust me when I describe this to you. Um, so for me, I started watching when an actor named Matt Smith um, took over the role of the Doctor, and so he's the 11th Doctor, so he's kind of, my doctor, he's who I sort of started watching the show through. And there's, in the very first series where he is the doctor, back in 2010, there's this episode where he meets this, um, this part's super nerdy, um, he, he meets this Silurian, which is like this lizard-looking creature. It's not actually an alien. They live, like, live under the earth. Um, and she claims to be the last of her kind. And the doctor just looks at her and he says, no, no, you're not because I am the last of my kind and I know how it sits on the heart. And, you know, for like 12 years, like, I've remembered that. I was like, oh, it's, at some point, I'm going to use that in, in a sermon because that's such a great description. I know how it sits on the heart. Because what he's talking about is, is, is the weight of how we, we feel something, how we live something, how we carry it with us. Um, if you, if, if you watch Doctor Who, then you would know he's, he's this brilliant person. He's really intelligent and clever, and a lot of the time, you know, he gets himself out of these terrible situations by being smart and by being clever through head knowledge. But this, this isn't about head knowledge. It's not about being clever. It's about heart knowledge. It's about knowing something in the very core of your being, a knowledge that's lived in, a knowledge that we, that we carry with us. Paul wants us to know. He wants us to know the hope and the riches and greatness of God. He wants us to know this deep down in our hearts. Not to just be able to answer the question, but to feel it and to carry it with us. To know how these things sit on the heart. And so first is the hope of our calling. And hope just just by its nature, hope is a heart knowledge. It's something that we feel. It's the opposite of despair. It's the belief and the promise that not only are we saved by Jesus, by his grace, but we will become like Jesus 
The next is the riches of his inheritance. Um, his inheritance in the saints. Not just the universal rule and reign of Jesus. Not just that Jesus rules everything in the whole universe. But his treasure. What is Jesus' treasure? Well, the Bible says that it's us. That we are the Lord's treasure. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says that you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. And then finally, the greatness of God's power to us who believe. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is given to the church so that nothing can ever separate us from Christ our head. Paul wants us to have a a better knowledge, a deeper knowledge of who we are. He prays that God will open our hearts to see Christ more and more, to realize that we're not a random assortment of parts, but we are rather a connected and purposeful body. All of that, all of that is who we are. And so finally, why does Paul want us to know this? Because we, we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church, the church is the fullness of Jesus, who then fills all things in all ways. And so in ways that we, that we can't fully understand. Right? This, is, this, this kind of crosses the wires of our head knowledge. It confuses our head knowledge. So in ways that we can't fully understand in our heads, Jesus, Jesus is in some way incomplete without the church. By incomplete, that doesn't mean that Jesus is somehow lacking in his power or his being. I mean, just looking back at verses 21 and 22, they assure us of that, the vastness of his power and his being. And yet, without the church, Jesus would be lacking a vital relationship. The death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus would be meaningless if he didn't do that for someone. A head without a body is is nonsensical or absurd or grotesque. Right? That the head and the body belong together. By his death and resurrection, Jesus is exalted as Lord of all. And he's the head of all things. And by his mercy and love, Jesus is also the head of the church. By that relationship, he's the head of the church. The church is his body. We are chosen to be the expression of Christ in the world. His hands and his feet. The means by which the gospel is proclaimed and the kingdom of God moves forward. By his great power and love, we, we are the fullness of Jesus who fills all things. He fills all things, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, into all of us, his body and his treasure, his inheritance. So that's Paul's prayer for us. He prays that we would know that we are the body, that Jesus is our head. He prays that we would know that all of who God is and all of what he has done has been given to us because we are God's treasure. And he wants us to know that we have a union with Christ that can never be separated. 
It can never be cut off. It can never be broken. As we read earlier, he will never leave us or forsake us. So the question for us then is, do we, do we believe that? Do, do we believe that Jesus has the power over all things? Do you believe that he is the creator of the whole universe and has power over every single thing that exists? Do we believe that he has power over life and death? Do we believe that he has the power to save us from sin that lives in our hearts? Do you believe that he loves you so much that he will, that he will unite himself to you forever? Right? The head and the body, when they're joined together, they never come back apart. So when Jesus, the God of the universe, the God over all these things, when he unites himself to you, it is forever. He's binding himself to you forever. Do you believe that? And so if you don't believe that, or if you're, or if you're not sure, you can pray for that right now. I'm, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, you're, you're welcome. I would, I would invite you. you know, if, if you're not sure about these things, um, or if you feel God leading you, pray, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit. Give me the gift of faith to receive your grace. Save me from the power of sin and death and fill me with the hope of resurrection and of new life in Jesus. Give me the confidence that comes from knowing that I belong to Jesus and nothing can ever separate me from him. And make me more like Jesus from this day forward so that as part of his body, I may proclaim his love in the world. Amen. And so if you, if you prayed that prayer this morning, particularly if you prayed that for the first time, um, please you know, talk with Rob, let him know. Um, he would love to meet with you. He'd love to walk alongside you on the path of following Jesus. Um, but if you're here this morning and, and you already trust Jesus as your savior, you already confess him as the Lord and the head of the church, but maybe you prayed that prayer as, um, as a, a prayer of renewal or of recommitting your, your faithfulness to Christ, then the question for, for all of us who are members of the body of Christ's church, is are we ready then to join Paul in praying the kind of prayer that we see in this text in Ephesians 1? I started out this morning by saying that this is a, that I started out by saying that prayer is, is how we talk to God. So what do we want to talk to God about? From looking at this prayer, what do we want to talk to God about? Do we want to see this church, Grace Hammersmith, do we want to see this church grow? grow in numbers, and grow in maturity? Do we want it to be a problem that Rob has to deal with, that, 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 that the church has to find a new place to meet because we can't fit everyone in here? Um, do we want to see the church grow in, in maturity, in confidence in Jesus? Do we want to see other churches in Hammersmith grow? You know, do we want to see more churches in Hammersmith? And do we want to see them growing and, and increasing in number and in maturity? Do we want to see the city of London be transformed by the hope of Christ? Then let's talk to God about these things. Pray for Hammersmith. Pray for your neighbors, for your friends and family. Pray for more and more people to have their hearts opened to the knowledge and the riches and the power of Jesus. Let's pray together for more and more people to know him who is all in all. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, his sacrifice on our behalf, 
the resurrection, the ascension, the power of Jesus to save us from our sins and to give us new life forever in Christ. Father, we pray that we would believe that, that we would trust in you, that you would make us people of prayer committed to praying for our friends and our neighbors and our city and for your kingdom to go forward. For the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. So we are going to conclude our, our time together this morning um, singing a final hymn that, that really gets at, at kind of this, you know, this thing, this, this amazing love of God that, that he would love us who, who don't deserve it uh, because of who he is. It, is. it is a hard thing for us to understand, but it is something that we can believe and we can celebrate by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's stand and sing together, and can it be? that I should be saved by the Savior's blood. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you.